Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude. We're back in action after taking a week off, but plenty to talk about with the world of the Rockies. Uh, We are a Purple Row podcast, an affiliate of SB Nation for the Colorado Rockies. And I am your host, Skylar Timmons, joined by my fellow Obi-Wan Kenobi Jedi people in hiding, Mac Wilcox. Yeah, uh, I'm the Quinlan Voss of the group in that, like, I have a, a long and storied history, but it's a lot of bad decision making. <laughs> and you can just touch stuff and see the memories right. of it. Uh-huh. And uh Technomancy? Something like that. Something yeah, yeah like whatever that. it is. As so, well yeah. as our good buddy Evan Lang. I'm the one who recognizes Quinlan Voss from the old extended universe stuff because I still haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels. Oh, dude, they were so good. It's fun stuff. The old comics, fire. Whereas I've only ever watched these shows and the cartoons, so uh, and the movies. <laughs> I got some reading for y'all too. I'll I'll, re- I'll recommend you some comics. I got you. I I have a hard time reading Star Wars like like the books and stuff, but audiobooks for the Star Wars books, top notch. Good. I stuff. could probably find you some audiobooks for that. Absolutely. They're good stuff. Yeah, they are. Anywho's, we're here to talk about the Rockies. Unlike Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> but plenty to talk about. And first, I just wanted to kind of catch up. We took a week off. Uh, we all kind of super busy. Mac went on the COVID list. <laughs> I was on the restricted busy list, and Evan didn't want to do a show all by himself. Understandably, so we, we kind of took a week off. And I think overall, I don't know about you, but it, it was kind of needed. Uh, the Rockies were in a rough spot at that point. And I, I just wanted to catch up with you guys. What have you been up to since last we talked? How are you doing? How's how's life? How are things going? <laughs> I was sick. I had Rona again, which was a real bummer. But uh, back in action now, I uh, you know recovered. I just chilled, drank my Gatorade, had my wheat thins, uh, had my you know Obi Wan on. It was it was nice little uh, chance to just kind of crash out for a few days. But I'm back. Ready to talk some Rockies, back to you know, full health. How about you, Ev Dog? Yeah, um, I mostly just waited for you two to come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, celebrated my Western Conference champion, Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, who are in the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since I was ten years old. Yeah, uh, which is really really exciting, and uh, mostly complained about how unwatchable the Rockies were for a hot minute there. Yeah. Avalanche uh, have been the real soul of 
Colorado sports this year, haven't they? Exactly, and it's funny because, you know, still the majority of the state can't watch them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Truth. Yep, that's, that's the, the toughest part where, you know, the majority of hockey games I haven't seen these really good avalanche, this really good avalanche team, haven't seen them mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. Except when they're on, like, national broadcasts and stuff. So. Well, hey, Skyler, now that you've moved, maybe you can get Evoca TV. There you eh, go. Probably not. Yeah, I actually don't know if it even works <laughs> up in your area still. <laughs> I know it flat out won't work in uh, my apartment because I can't get over-the-air signals in my unit. Ridiculous. Good thing there are other means to watch these teams. <laughs> The radio. Yeah, that's all we're going to say about that. <laughs> the radio is actually really good. The um, the Avs Mark broadcast Mosher. on Altitude Radio with Connor McGahee calling games is so good. It's good stuff. It is very good stuff. Um, but yeah, as for me, it's just mostly being busy uh, working in independent baseball now with the Northern Colorado Owls in their inaugural season. So they're out of town this week that we're recording, and then... They'll be back in town the next time we record. So, fun stuff watching independent baseball. They had their first Definitely. ever knockout round last night, though. Which was fun. And their two-way knuckleballer hit the winning home run in the knockout round. So Sick. Fun stuff. But all around, yeah, I'm just watching baseball and inputting the live stats, which is a lot more complicated and fun than you'd think it would be. <laughs> But regardless, we're going to talk about these Rockies that Evan mentioned. You know, they were kind of <laughs> insufferable to watch for a hot minute there. Uh, but as a whole, losing a ton of games. They just recently won their first series in San Francisco for the first time since 2019. So things have been looking up with some of these guys. But first and foremost, we wanted to talk about, we wanted to get nasty here and talk about Mr. Charles Blackman, who is, he's kind of having a little bit of resurgence these past couple weeks of getting back into that Chuck Nasty that we know and love. Uh, Reached a couple of milestones this past week, 200 career home runs, 15 career hits. Now he cemented himself high up in a lot of the the, top leaderboards for offensive categories for the Rockies. Let's just talk about Charlie Blackman here and what you're seeing from this, this aged veteran uh, and just all that stuff. What are we doing with Charlie Blackman here? Let's... I think Charlie Blackman is a really interesting case because I personally, and this might be controversial. So actually, even before I get into controversy, so to specifically talk about what Skylar mentioned here, the Rockies just, as we record today on Friday, just took two out of three games from the San Francisco Giants in San Francisco, which is as rare a feat as you'll ever see in baseball these days. And uh, chiefly, part of the reason they were able to take two of those games was due to Charlie Blackman. He hit his 200th career home run. He had his 1,500th career hit. Um, the the controversy I want to get into is I think that Charlie Blackman is on the Mount Rushmore of Colorado Rockies. I think it's Larry Walker. I think it's Todd Helton. I think it's Charlie Blackman. And I think the fourth spot's a little malleable. Um, I have some opinions on who should go there. But regardless, I think that... Charlie Blackman is just one of those guys who, you know, is a lifer. I think he's somebody that the Rockies can really and truly say they found, developed, and created into a superstar. There was a period, and obviously, you know, Charlie Blackman has been around for a while. Like I said, like he's been in the league for 11 years now. Um, so he's been around the the block more than once. There was a time where Charlie Blackman was the best outfielder in baseball. Uh uh, certainly the best in the National League, and at a time where Mike Trout was missing a lot of games, like there was a very solid argument to be made that Charlie Blackman was the single best outfielder in the game of baseball. So for me personally, getting to see these milestones for him right now is really special because, again, it's just adding to the legacy of a guy that I think goes down in the Coors Field history books. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm obviously happy that led to wins, but... Yeah, I, I really just think that he goes in the annals of history of Denver fans, just like, just like Helton and just like 
Walker and Galarraga and Bichette and all those cats. Like, I think Charlie Blackman's right there with them. How about you, Evan? What, what, what's been your, like, I guess, perspective here on, on Charlie Blackman? Chuck has been interesting this year because he started out fairly well. And then, like a lot of our other guys, really dipped in May, where his, his batting average was all the way down to, like, 217 or something. And then, all of a sudden, he's picking it back up again, where he's reaching safely in a ton of games. He had a 4-for-5 day on June 2nd against the Braves. Uh, his batting average climbed all the way up to 260. Uh, his slugging percentage is up to 451. He's already hit nine home runs this year when he only had 13 for the entire season last year. So it really feels like his power stroke is back even when the you know baseball has been deadened, as it were. Definitely. And really the only thing that you can complain about for, for Chuck right now is his defense. And he made some really impressive defensive plays in that series against the Giants but then also had the game-losing error in that one loss we had against the Giants. So it's one of those ones where it's like, you see him, and he's he's still got decent wheels, which is why you can still put him in the outfield. But I do think we're getting at the point where his days of playing in the outfield are numbered, and it might be, you know, we're getting to the point where he needs to be a DH only. I don't know if slash when that's going to happen. Uh, but, Mac, I totally agree with you on on what you're saying for Chuck being on, like, the Mount Rushmore of Rockies, because if you look at the Rockies' all-time offensive leaders, Charlie Blackman is up there in pretty much every single category. Uh, top 10 in position player war, uh, top 10 in offensive war, top 10 in batting average all-time. He's uh, back up to 299. Uh, if he continues hitting well, he could get his career average back up over 300 again. Um, he has the second most games played all-time, below Todd Helton's pretty much unbeatable at this point, 2,247. Uh, he's got 1,320. He has the second most at-bats all-time, second most plate appearances all-time, third most runs scored all-time, second most hits all-time, uh, fourth most doubles. He's tied for first in team triples, top 10 home runs, RBIs, walks, uh, stolen bases. He's uh, second just to Eric Young for stolen bases. You know, second most singles, uh, third most runs created, and uh, third most extra base hits, times on base. He's just up there in every single category. And what's really interesting, um, something I didn't wasn't even aware of until I was looking at this leaderboard, is that for as long as he has played, he's not really ever been a big ground in a double play guy. He's only got 57 career ground and double plays, and that doesn't even put him in the top 10 for all-time Rockies. But it's like you have in the front of almost every offensive category is Todd Helton, one of the all-time Rockies, the all-time Rocky. And then right behind him in almost every category is Charlie Blackman. And I don't know. It's, it's tough because I don't think Charlie Blackman will ever end up in the Hall of Fame. But he is definitely an all-time Rocky where I don't know how you couldn't retire his number after his career and have him in the all-time pantheon of Rockies greats. <laughs> yeah, it's something that I like. I do like that that surprising stat of in the history of the Rocky of Colorado Rockies baseball, how you would think there would be a ton of guys ahead of him but him being second in stolen bases behind Eric Young Sr. And I think we had 135 and Sr. had 180. But him being second all-time when you think of all the speedsters they've had in their history, that Charlie Blackman's up there. And I, I think that speaks a lot to the, the underdog nature of Charlie Blackman because he wasn't like the highly touted, pro, touted prospect of, oh man, he's going to make it opening day. All eyes are on Charlie Blackman. No, he's that underdog. He's going to be that, oh, maybe he's a fourth outfielder. Maybe he'll get some time. You know, but he consistently fought every time he got called up. Injuries set him back. You know, he had to fight to get to where he is. And it's finally that 2014 season when he finally breaks out, takes over center field. You know, it becomes a staple in that Rockies lineup. And being that late bloomer that we see where he's 
oh, starting to blossom after he turns 30 years old. Th- that's kind of the, the fun thing with Charlie Blackman. And I think we've hit on that where he's that heart and soul. Whereas a lot of the other guys we think of, you know, Carlos Gonzalez, Nolan Arnaud, Troy Tulowitzki, these are, you no know, top of the tier. All eyes are on them. They're the name of the game. But Charlie Blackman just kind of pops up out of nowhere, and they're like, ooh, what the... there's this weird guy with his Twitter handle, Chuck Nasty. And so I, I think that's the thing where, yeah, he's never going to be, you no, know, making it into the Hall of Fame. Uh, or Rocky's Hall of Fame, absolutely, but the Baseball Hall of Fame, probably not. But, yeah, he, when all is said and done and he decides to retire, yeah, his, his number needs to immediately be... Oh, retired be the third Rockies number ever retired and you know take his place among the greats because like we pointed out on those leaderboards he's up there you wouldn't think of it but he's up there in every offensive category no top of the line in terms of just being a consistent player that's stuck around in Colorado and whatnot and hasn't had the trouble no that even Larry Walker wanted to leave because he wanted to go win somewhere. Nolan Arnauto wanted to go win somewhere. Troy Tulowitzki wanted to win. Trevor Story wanted to win. No. So it's like Cargo and Charlie Blackman are kind of in that same mold where Cargo had a little bit more of that prominence, but Chuck is you know, just kind of the quiet guy that did his thing. So that's been the, the fun thing. So I ask this question now to you guys. When do you think Charlie should retire? maybe even after this season, or will he exercise that option for next year and play one more season? My guess would be that he, he he already said that he plans to exercise his option for next year, and I think that would be the ideal sort of time to be able to do a nice farewell tour for Charlie Blackman, where, you know, this year we haven't really been able to do it. And, it, it, I mean, it depends definitely on how he does this year. But with one more season, he has a real shot to push himself even further up these leaderboards where there's a couple where, and and Skylar, you mentioned this, where you're like, he's got such fight in him that, you know, he leads in, in all these different kinds of offensive categories where, you know, with the speed, he's second all-time in stolen bases. And, you know, at, at 36, he's probably not going to overtake Eric Young Sr., and, but he's got a real chance to become the Rockies all-time triples leader. He's tied with Dexter Fowler at 53 and he's very, very, very close to some of the, the power and other numbers where when all said and done, he could pass Larry Walker for second all-time and run scored. Chuck has 847 right now. Larry has 892. Uh, he can get his batting average back up over 300, and he'd be one of just like seven people, uh, players for the Rockies, to have a career batting average with the team over 300. And then you look at his home runs, and if he keeps being able to execute with his power stroke here, he has 200. He had his 200th career home run, and he might not pass Larry Walker, who's got 258 uh, in second place with Todd Helton at 369 in first. But he might pass Dante Bichette, Carlos Gonzalez, Nolan Arenado, and Vinny Castilla, who uh, the top most of which is Vinny in third place at 239. And, you know, 39, 40 more home runs in his career is absolutely doable if he comes back for that one final season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, Chuck seems like the kind of guy that would pull a Todd Helton and just quietly announce his retirement on a. No, August afternoon on the road while the big Denver Broncos football game's going on or something. Uh, that that kind of seems like the path Chuck would go. But no, I, I do like that that concept. What do you think, Mac? What's in your take? What would be your ideal send off or no decision that Chuck would make? I think you guys both nailed it. Actually, I think Charlie Blackman is a lot like Todd Helton in that. Uh he would probably be the type of guy to just kind of finish up a season and then say, yeah, by the way, I'm done. I don't think he's really a guy that, and I don't, you know, I don't want to say that I like know him personally or anything, but he just doesn't come off to me as the kind of cat that would want one of those big long send offs of an entire season. And so I think you guys kind of nailed it. I mean, if the Rockies 
are going to continue this transition into this young new core of guys, then Blackman is sort of the last remaining member of that old guard, right? Like the Arenados and the LeMahews and the stories, and even like the Mark Reynolds and the Justin Morneaus and Michael Michael Kadires and all that. And I think that there's nothing, you know, more, I think, emotionally resonant than just letting him sort of ride it out and finish up on his terms. He deserves that. I think he is, as we've said many, many times now, I think he is a guy that the Rockies organization should really consider one of their great ambassadors and one of their significant um, success stories throughout their you know history. He's one of the guys that they just brought from the minor league system and turn into a, into a superstar. So I'm with you guys. I think that if, if he does exercise his option, which as we've mentioned is most likely um, I would, I think that next season makes sense, especially as the Rockies outfield situation continues to get, you know, more and more log jammed with some of these young talents like Jonathan Daza. We've got guys like Zach Veen on the way. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense for Charlie Blackman to hang it up at that point. I'm not going to tell him what to do with his career. Obviously, he's you know a professional. He knows what he needs to do to be successful. But that makes a lot of sense as far as just from a purely organizational standpoint. Uh, Chuck em- retires after 2023 and becomes the next manager of the Colorado Rockies. Okay, honestly, so hyped though. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so cool. I think he would make a decent coach because like he, he probably he's would be. very much. And I I don't want to say like you know apples to apples, but he's very much in the vein of. Bud Black in terms of very quiet and calm. And so he could make an interesting coach, but it's like, I really am looking at the more I look at the leaderboards for Rockies offensive statistics. There are so many where Chuck is so, so close to being in second place behind, behind Todd Helton and can definitely move up into second place. Like doubles. Absolutely. He's so close. Total bases, extra base hits, there's just so many different categories where he really could be, you know, second place behind Todd Helton in almost every offensive category when he finishes his career. And so that's that's another reason why I want him to be back next year is to give him that opportunity to just finalize his legacy as yeah. one of the great all-time Rocky stars because he really is Yamaki know, called him a superstar is he is he's, there's a, so many players on the Rockies where a lot of uh, bigger markets and other teams will be like who is this guy but yep. everybody yep. knows Chuck Nasty yep, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> plus the nice part about that option is there's still a decent amount of money attached to that option 10 million dollars uh, for next year so could increase that increase up to eight million based on his performance through this season uh, from 2018 to 2022. So he's got a nice payday coming for next season, which I don't see him walking away from that money. But I, if right. the Rockies like and fully braced, embrace some form of really turning it into Chuck's children for one last season with Chris Bryant and all these other guys attached in, but start bringing in some of those youngsters and just try to give them the best send off they can. You know, Chuck's been with them through thick and thin. He deserves that good chance of one just really good final season where the team competes, which would be really nice. But I think at the end of the day, we talked about this before. He is the heart and soul of the Colorado Rockies. He is that heartbeat. And you know, it's going to be a sad day when we, when Charlie Blackman hangs up the spikes, but it's nice knowing that he wants to be in Colorado and you no, know, has had the success he's had and the story. So always fun with Chuck. Definitely. And if he ever hears this, we'd love to have him on the show. Yes, please. <laughs> I'd love to we'll for talk, him to we'll, teach we'll me talk how about to fish. fishing. <laughs> and but, if, if he does retire, I think he should have a on-field ceremony where he transfers his powers to Brendan Rogers. He transfers his mullet and beard powers. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of that would be. A, that's what I, that's what I always said. The Undertaker ceremony. should do when he retired yeah. was that he needed to pick a new dead man and do like a soul transfer. <laughs> We're gonna soul transfer the mullet and beard combination of Brendan. Yeah, Rogers. get him get him out in center field, and they you know they hold hands, and all of a sudden there's a big flash of light, and Brendan Rogers has a bigger bushier beard. <laughs> 
And Charlie Blackman is nowhere to be seen. And the seen. transfer just, is complete. <laughs> I was just going to say Charlie Blackman just disappears into the trees in center field and we just never see him again. That's right. Oh, he just That's lives right. there now. <laughs> he just lives there with his family. Never to return. Well, from those UC Health commercials, he already like tunnels through the ballpark and stuff. So, And his secret <laughs> fishing spot is there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's perfect transition into... Uh, if you looked at him, you'd think he's Chuck Nasty Jr., but it's Brendan Rodgers who's been on a Chuck Nasty-type tear. We t- we talked about him a ton in our last episode when we talked about Player of the Month uh, for our little podcast here. Uh, both of you guys picked Brendan Rodgers, and I was the outlier with C.J. Crone. But Brendan Rodgers just had the accolades coming just this past week uh, from the last time we talked. He won a Player of the Week award after just having a monstrous week during the Rockies' homestand when they played the Marlins and the Braves before heading out on their road trip. Had a monstrous week. Had a three-homer game during that week that included a walk-off for the third home run. First Rocky since Ryan McMahon in 2021 to accomplish that feat. First National League player to hit his third home run as a walk-off since Joey Votto in 2012 first major leaguer since 2018. He's been on absolute tear since the calendar turned to May 1st. All through May and here in this first part of June, the trend's just been going. So what's what's so good about Brendan Rodgers right now, Evan? Why is what what are you seeing differently than that first month that he's continued now that's made him one of the best hitters in the Rockies offense now? The big thing is that he has he still has a very aggressive plate approach, but now it's actually resulting in offense from him. So it's like at the end of April, he was still being super aggressive, but nothing was really working. But then all of a sudden, you know, when, he, when we hit May, he just really clicked on. And from May 1st through yesterday... Uh, since we're recording before tonight's game to kick off that series against the Padres. So May 1st through June 9th, he's slashing 328, 362, 530. So that's an OPS of 892. And uh, in that amount of time, he's got six home runs, nine doubles, 26 RBIs, six walks. He's just really clicked on where he's got this compact, powerful swing where he's going to put the ball into play at least once per game. He had a 20-game hitting streak. He's had, in that stretch of time, at least 12 multi-hit games. He had that three-home run game, including the walk-off. Brendan Rodgers is back to the Brendan Rodgers that we saw last season. And that's exactly what we were saying when he was slumping, is that we know this is how good he can be. And he just needs to find that stroke. And he's found the stroke. And now he's as good as he can be. Uh, his defense has been a little sloppy, but he himself has admitted that, and he's been taking like extra exercises to improve it. Because he's like, My, it's been unacceptable. I need to fix this. And he's really, you know, taken charge of himself and his career and his season, and just being an incredibly valuable member of the team. Where yeah, now we see him and we go, yeah, this is our starting second baseman. And he's one of only three Rockies third baseman, sorry, second baseman in history to have you know, three home runs in a game. And it's been a long, long time since that happened. And and all you can really say is, you know, we knew he could be this good. And now that it's finally turned on for him, we're watching him be exactly who we need him to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly who we need him to be is like the right, like that's the perfect terminology exactly who we need him to be because like he really has been a spark plug for a Rockies team that has not, you know, obviously performed to the expectations that we were hoping they would. Um, But yeah, man, like Brendan Rogers has been somebody that the Rockies have really been able to rely on. Again, we've talked so much about him recently, the last few podcasts, just about like how he's just completely turned a corner in May. looks like he's continuing it in June it's great to see. Um, I think it's, you know, it's like we mentioned the first time he's won player of the week, which is so cool. Um, he, 
he I, I don't really know what else to say, honestly. He had his first ever multi homer game, the, including a walk off home run. Like he's just been the man. He's been awesome. It's it's fantastic to see him continue to develop and continue to become what we have always thought he could be, which is a top flight second baseman. Evan mentioned it. The defense could possibly be better, but that's true of pretty much the entire yeah. team at this point. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like everybody uh, that's on taking the diamond every single day could probably stand to play a little bit better defense. But that aside, it, it's the Brennan Rogers show right now. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier for him. I got nothing else to add. Yeah, the the best of Brennan Rogers is DJ LeMahieu with more pop. Yeah, uh, it really is. Because DJ LeMahieu was such good when he's aggressive making contact and slapping hits everywhere. No, Brennan Rogers is in that same mold where he just has a little bit more pop uh, at Coors Field and not playing at the Little League Stadium of New York. <laughs> mm. But... Brennan Rogers has that more pop, so when he's on, he's DJ LeMayhew. You know, sometimes defensively too, but mm-hmm. at the plate he can be DJ LeMayhew with more pop. And I think that's what we've been seeing over this past month is, you know, a nice simplified approach where he's making contact, a better vision of the strike zone, putting the ball in play more, you know, hitting line drives. And I wonder if that's things like you know, having a teammate like Jose Iglesias. You know, Jonathan Daza, those guys are all kind of in the same mold where the success is coming from hitting, getting base hits, putting the ball in play, hitting line drives. And then Rodgers can add in that pop, which makes him so valuable. So, you know, he is that staple in that lineup that we need. You know, and it'd be nice if the rest of the lineup could follow suit and everybody's hitting at the same time instead of, you know, us having these conversations where it's just, oh, one or two guys are doing really good now, and then it's kind of a black hole the rest of the lineup. But they need Brendan Rodgers. They're going to need him over these next couple of years, wherever long he's with the team. So it's great for him to get that recognition as a player of the week. First one since C.J. Crone last year in August. And he was a very worthy candidate, and I'm glad he got that recognition. But... Let's hope everybody else can follow suit and get some more action at the offense. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, DJ LeMahieu with more pop is how I would describe Charlie Blackman's plate approach. Mm-hmm. And here we are calling Brendan Rogers, you know, Chuck Jr. Uh, speaking of DJ LeMahieu, Charlie Blackman hit his 200th career home run uh, this last week. DJ LeMahieu hit his 100th career home run this last week. Oh, nice. Wow. Pretty neat. Synergy. Now, if only we could combine all three of them into one super player. Ha! Brendan Rodgman. <laughs> right? Or no, wait. Brendan LeMayman. LeChuck Rogers. Just keep going. Or, <laughs> yeah, or, D, uh, or DJ Blackjers. <laughs> or Charlie... Uh, Raj Hugh. I can keep going. We can transition. See, I like combining DJ and Chuck into LeChuck because it reminds me of Monkey Island. LeChuck. LeChuck. <laughs> Sick. Or we just, we'll just get some Patara earrings from Dragon Ball Z. There it is. There it is. Some guys, they'll fuse for a game, and then they can unfuse after the game. That's the actual answer. Yeah. See, I'd rather watch him do the fusion dance. Yeah, but that only lasts for half an hour. Yeah, and the, originally oh, the Pachara earrings were supposed to be permanent, but they yeah, did it away that away in Super. <laughs> yeah, fun stuff. Uh, join us for our Dragon Ball Z podcast in the second half of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, still plenty to talk about. We're going to transition to some of the guys in the bullpen and whatnot, and All-Star Ballot is upon us. We can start talking about that and who a potential Rockies representative for the all-star game would be this year so don't go anywhere we'll be right back hello and welcome back to affected by altitude during our commercial break we all went into super saiyan 3 form (laughs) so none of us have eyebrows and our hair is super super long and golden (laughs) 
just like Charlie Blackman. Can't confirm. <laughs> None of us passed out in the recording booth from screaming for too long, though. Yeah, we've been just screaming for 20 minutes. All the rock formations around us are absolutely decimated. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single mountain survived the blast. <laughs> Good stuff. We just kept talking about Dragon Ball Z uh, while we were waiting to come back. But speaking of some Super Saiyans in the bullpen, there's actually been, there's been a trio of guys uh, this season that have kind of been the reliable go-tos in that bullpen. Everybody else has kind of been up and down, struggles. But three guys have really been fairly consistent in Daniel Bard, Tyler Kinley, and Alex Colomay. And we've talked about Bard and Kinley quite a bit, um, so I figure we'll probably focus on Colomay a little bit more here. Uh, but Mac, how important has it been, at least <laughs> a, a bit of relief, having at least three guys in that bullpen you can reliably turn to each game? Totally. Well, obviously it's critical. I mean, the the Rockies bullpen, as has been said, you know, time and time again, has been a definite pain point for them the last few seasons. And there was even a time earlier this season when Alex Colomay was really struggling to get, um, you know, get around runners on base. Daniel Bard blew a couple saves, but they've really turned it around. And obviously Tyler Kinley has been absolutely lights out all season. But as Skyler said, talk about Alex Colomay a little bit. Let's look at some of the recent games that he's pitched in. So Alex Colomay has appeared in a total so far of this season in 22 games. Okay, through those 22 games, he's pitched a total of 21 and a third's innings, a whip of 1.41. This is obviously as of Friday, so if anything changes by the time you listen to this, that's why. To earn an average of 2.53. Now, that's not spectacular, right? That's not like wipe out all-star stuff. But what you need to consider is that he is not allowed a run in a hot second. Alex Colomay, the last time he allowed a run was May 7th, okay? Since then, all scoreless appearances. And to be fair, he started off the season a little rough. He gave up a run in, um, you know, about half of his appearances in April, gave up a run in both of his first two appearances in May, but that has been it. Since May 7th, Alex Colomay has thrown nothing but scoreless innings. He did allow four runs on May 13th. None of those runs were earned, though. So since then, it's it's all, you know, uh, no earned runs. He actually also allowed a run on June 4th that was also unearned. So since then, you have just I was, seen I was going to say, just average. specify uh, earned runs versus regular runs. Yes, a lot of those yes. runs are because our defense has been so bad. Exactly. And that's exactly right, Evan. The, the defense has been, you know, really shaky behind him for a lot of that time period. But uh, that's the thing. Like, it's almost like a Brendan Rodgers-like effect because he started – uh, May 5th, he, he started, actually May 7th, after that appearance, he had a 6.23 earned run average. Now, as we record today on Friday, 2.53, and that's because he's consistently been able to get runners out. He hasn't really allowed that much by way of base running either. He usually allows, like, you know, a base hit here. Isn't walking that many guys. Hasn't walked a runner in June so far as we record. Only walked four all of May. You know, doesn't allow all that many base hits. When it does happen, as, uh, Evan mentioned it's because the defense is kind of shaky. So Alex Colomay right now is looking like the guy that I personally thought he could be when the Rockies signed him. He was absolutely lights out for the White Sox in the shortened season of 2020. Didn't have a great season last season in 2021 with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I think a lot of people were skeptical when the Rockies signed him to be that setup guy in the bullpen. I actually thought he was going to start the season as the closer. But either way, just one of those back end bullpen arms. And he did start off a little bit shaky, but man, since that first couple weeks of the season that were a little bit rough, he has been lights out. He has been exactly what the Rockies have needed in their bullpen to back up guys like Kinley and Bard. And I'm really glad to see him continue to take those positive steps forward. Yeah, and I think that's the the big thing where he's settled in. And you know, after that, I, don't, <laughs> I think we're all in the same boat after his first appearance in April when it took him like half an hour to get through five batters <laughs> yeah. in the eighth inning. We're like, oh my goodness, what are we getting ourselves into with Alex Colomay on the Rockies? And granted, he is still slower than molasses on a hot <laughs> summer day You know, <laughs> when there's runners on base. Very deliberate, as they like to go be called. But you look at the numbers and the results are there. 
where he's having quite a bit of success. Um, and what's what are you noticing from Colome that's making him so successful, Evan? Uh, for starters, he keeps the ball on the ground, which is exactly what we hired him to do, where he's inducing at least one ground ball every single outing he's had. There's not been a single outing except for once um, where he hasn't had any uh, ground balls allowed, and he's keeping people from, from scoring. And this is much more the Alex Colomay that we thought we were going to be getting or, or were hoping for. And then, you know, he had that rough April beginning of May, and we were all like, uh-oh, this isn't good. But since then, you know, like like Max said, he's got that that streak where he hasn't allowed an earned run since May 7th. And, you know, he's got the two games where he has unearned runs, and you can chalk so much of that up to the Rockies' incredibly shaky defense. But he's he's also sped it up a little bit. Uh, I know that the the speed has been an issue, um, affectionately, or perhaps unaffectionately at the beginning, I was <laughs> calling him Alex Slolamay, <laughs> because, you know, every inning he came in, it was just so long. But he's had a couple really quick outings recently. The The one I turn to is this uh, most recent one, June 8th against San Francisco. He put away three batters and four pitches. He's just like, bam, 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 done walk off and he's really become part of and we'll talk about Barden Kinley a little bit later this real you know one two three end of the game bullpen punch mm-hmm. where you know you have Kinley or, or Colome in the seventh and eighth and then Bard to shut things down in the ninth and it's really nice to have that combination especially when a lot of our other bullpen guys right now have been very shaky and difficult to trust that you have these three guys and Colome the newcomer who you feel like you can trust when you put him in the ball game. Yeah, and I think that right there is also another conversation of how imperative it is that the starter starting pitcher can go four or go five or six innings because then you can hand it over to these three guys at the back end of the bullpen, you know, uh, more often than not to close out a victory whereas once they start getting into some other guys, you know, <laughs> it becomes the really stressful edge of your seat of oh man what's going to happen but i think and that's why this most recent series with san francisco in terms of the rotation was so important mm-hmm. because for the first time in what feels like an eternity we had three straight quality starts from herman marquez antonio senzatela and austin gomber where they each went six innings they each allowed three or less runs and they just they got it done to get us to the late stretches where our our ending trio can sort of come in. And if this can be a turning point for that rotation, then that's going to be so much more meaningful for the bullpen where we're not having to stretch and we're not having to throw in guys we can't necessarily rely on because we've got the one, two, three finisher. And uh, this is something that I wanted to transition with Alex Colomay. You know, this is a team that's probably not going to be contending for the playoffs in about a month. What do you hope to get in return if Alex Colome is still doing pretty good and the Rockies decide to trade him? Because no point keeping a shutdown reliever on a one-year deal when you don't need him to be closing out games and stuff. Now, what would you hope to get in return for Alex Colome, or would you even trade him? What are your thoughts, Mac? Tough one. Tough one. I would probably shop him. I probably would. Um, you know, and that might lead to a bit of a hole and some rearranging to do in the bullpen. But if you think you can get a halfway decent prospect haul for Colome this season, um, respectfully, I don't think the Rockies are planning to compete this year, uh, especially with the NL West being as loaded as it is between the Giants, the Padres, and the, of course, Dodgers being the dominant force. Um, I would certainly see, you know, and I think there's actually a couple pieces the Rockies could look at moving around at the uh, All-Star break and seeing if you could get, you know, a halfway decent prospect haul or maybe a young budding star, you know, with a lot of team control, whatever that looks like for you. But I think that it's probably not the worst idea to give it a look with Colome. Um, there's probably a lot of teams that are potential playoff contenders that could use a solid sixth or seventh inning arm like him in the back end of their bullpen. So, yeah, I think... You know, if, if things continue trending in the way that they are for both Colome and the Rockies, as they have been recently, 
I would be totally fine giving him a look at a potentially getting moved around at that trade deadline. Mm-hmm. How about you, Evan? You know, because this is kind of like a Michael Givens situation last year. Yes, where it is. we end up getting two fairly decent pitching prospects. Well, one plus Case Williams, who came back uh, <laughs> from the with the team. Two fairly solid arms. No, do you envision something kind of like that with Alex Colomay if he's traded? Yeah, I think you can at least get some prospects for him. It's really, the Rockies are in a weird place because if they're not able to turn things around by July and before the trade deadline, it's definitely uh, they need to sell situation. And they've got a couple pitchers now on one-year deals who are going to be free agents soon that you need to consider shopping. And I think the top of the list is going to be Colome, who's going to be 34 this year and is only on a one-year deal. And, you know, there's no guarantees that he comes back next year or performs the same next year. And then the other one is Daniel Bard, who is a free agent next year. And he's about to be 37 years old. Uh, And if he's continuing to pitch as well as he has been, then both of those guys, I think you looking you look at moving. Same for even Tyler Kinley. Tyler Kinley's thirty one years old. the the major The major spot where he differs is that he's not even arbitration eligible yet. He'll be arb eligible next year and a free agent in twenty twenty five. But that's just another player where the Rockies could get a a pretty decent amount of prospects for any of those three pitchers, or even you know Chad Cool. But it's really going to be a test of where this team is at at the trade deadline, and if this team will be able to make the trades that they have failed in doing in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do like that idea. I like the idea of keeping Kinley around. No, not trading him off because you know he still has that you know, team control. And whatever happens, maybe you trade Bard and Colome this year. Kinley can just slot into your closer. Can be your closer maybe for the next, at least maybe for next year, and see how he does. And whatnot, but you know it, there are just some decisions to be made. But it it's kind of a double edged sword where it's it's good to have that problem of all right, we got some guys with some value we can trade, but it's also that thing of uh, we have these guys of value that we have to trade because we're not doing anything as a team. So kind of that double edged sword. But Colomay's turned into that nice surprise, I think, for everybody. Where it's nice that it's worked out. Kind of like Mac was saying that he's been who we hoped he would be. And, man, he's slow, though. He's so slow. Very slow. <laughs> so slow. I'll take the slowness over the fact that the Rockies, one, signed a major league free agent relief pitcher for, two, not that much money, and, three, he's actually pitching well. Yeah. yeah. He's like the, oppo- the opposite of the super pen. It <laughs> turns out you don't have to blow a ton of money to get an effective reliever. Huh, yeah, true. So, but yeah, it was. It, it's good to have Colmate, and it's good to have that three guys back at the end of the bullpen, and hopefully the rest of that bullpen they can the Rockies can figure out that bullpen because you know there are some weak links in there, and it may be time for a shuffle. As much as we love some of these veterans, you know, it may be time to shuffle things around and get some new blood in there to complement these guys at the back end of the bullpen because you can't afford. Um, these three shutdown relievers used to preserving leads. They don't do you any good if the guys before them are giving up the lead and there's nothing for them to preserve. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens, but it's <laughs> death taxes and the Rockies bullpen blowing leads. And it's just <laughs> the consistence of life. But it's like at least we have three bullpen guys right now with sub three ERAs, four if you count Randall Grichik. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Our newest bullpen arm. Both Randall Grichik and Tyler Kinley have a sub one ERA. There you go. Hey, Rocky's position player bullpen it hasn't been bad over the years. It really hasn't. It's the last couple of years, so something to throw into the mix. <laughs> but speaking of kind of the top bullpen we Talked a little bit about Tyler Kinley. He kind of seems like one of the guys, if uh, if he's the one, he would be selected to go to the All-Star game for the Rockies this season. So the All-Star ballot's out and about. You can start voting now over on MLB.com. Uh, typical 
voting process, uh, the different phases. But right now you can go and do that. And that's something I wanted to ask you guys about. Uh, Joel had a wonderful uh, article here on Purple Row on Friday you know, talking about you know, ballot and everything, about voting for the players, and you know, the, the justification of do I vote for a Rocky or not, and this type of thing. And I just wanted to continue that conversation here of, about your ballots and who of the Rockies right now, who do you think is going to be that rep for the Rockies in about a month's time? Evan, go ahead and go first. Uh, so I actually straight up have a ballot that I have been submitting as my ballot. And there's less Rockies on there than you think. I don't normally do the full-on Homer ballot of, oh, I'm going to uh, vote nothing but Rockies. Because, you know, unfortunately there are some other players in the National League that you would definitely vote ahead of a guy on our team. Like, CJ Crone, I think, is putting up all-star numbers, but Paul Goldschmidt has been just on another level at first base for the Cardinals. So, unfortunately, you know, you have to make that trade-off. But I think CJ Crone is one of the guys that has a real chance at being selected as an all-star for the Rockies because every team has to have one representative uh, last year it was Herman Marquez. I, I don't think it's going to be him this year, even if he turns it around, <laughs> just because yeah, it's been real. so rough for the first few months. But my National League uh, ballot looks like this. So first base, Paul Goldschmidt. As, as much as I love CJ and as well as CJ is playing, Goldie is playing insane right now. Mm. Second base, there's actually not a ton of really great second basemen in the National League right now where... I think Brendan Rodgers actually has a decent shot because of his month of May and how he's doing in June. He's become one of the more valuable batters in the league. You just need to discount that miserable April. Uh, third base, it's got to be Nolan Arenado, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, shortstop is a surprising one where Jose Iglesias is actually one of the best-hitting shortstops right now in terms of average and on-base percentage in the entire league among shortstops. And I, I don't know where he's going to fall. I don't think he'd, he'd nef- definitely get in by like a fan vote. But it's really surprising just how well he has been hitting. Like we knew that his bat was going to be more of an asset than his glove, and that's definitely been the case. But yes. he's been really good in terms of just always being on base and always getting a hit. Um, I, in the outfield, have the trio of Charlie Blackman, Jock Peterson, and Jonathan Daza. I think just due to name recognition, Chuck always has a chance of being the one uh, Rocky to get in. And Jock Peterson's been hitting really, really well this year, especially you know against certain kinds of pitching. But what really bothered me about the outfield uh, ballots is that Jonathan Daza, you have to write him in. And the other Rocky's option is Chris Bryant, who's barely played this year. It's the same as, like, you can still vote for Fernando Tatis, even though he hasn't played a single game. But Jonathan Daza is one of the current best-hitting players in the entire league in terms of average and on-base percentage, where he has been so, so good, and defensively been really good as well, where he is, I think, one of the best outfielders in the league right now on both sides of the ball. And so I've been writing in Jonathan Daza for my ballots, And I think he is, you know, since he's not very well known, I think he could definitely be a long shot. But in terms of performance, he's the guy who I would vote for. And then for designated hitter, it's, you know, it's it's a shame that uh, Joel talked about this in an article that he's sort of shoehorned into the DH slot when he can, you know, play pretty much any position. But I think Connor Joe also does have a shot. Um, and then for catcher, I picked the Reds' Tyler Stevenson because he's been doing really well. But, you know, it, it can't be all Rockies, and I don't think we're going to have more than at most two Colorado Rockies representatives, be it, you know, one position player and maybe Tyler Kinley is a pitcher or something like that. But there are definitely guys on this team who I would say are deserving of all-star candidacy. And it, it's it's sort of this one of those ones where you got to bo- vote with both your heart and your brain. And that's what I try and do here. Yeah, the, the tough thing with the all-star ballot is I think they just take what the opening day roster, like the opening day lineup yes. is. And they're like, okay, these are going to be the candidates for uh, the 
but for the voting and whatnot. And that's right. where you get guys that are injured and whatnot. Instead of just having it big open ballot, put in every single guy you want, and not have like the just the options there because not as many people are going to be <laughs> writing in names and mm-hmm. such. Like I don't, I hardly ever do. But I I do. This is like always my thing, where I think of like Cardinals fans or like the big the big market teams, those guys don't need my help on their votes. And so I'm going to go ahead and vote for CJ Crone. And like some of those other Rockies guys here and there, mm-hmm. because yeah, they probably won't win, but at least I can, <laughs> in my clear conscience, I can say I voted. I tried to, I did my part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's totally fair, especially considering CJ is in terms of war, one of the most uh, valuable Rockies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he's definitely deserving, especially statistically, of being an all-star. Even if he doesn't make it, he could also end up being, like, uh, a last-man-in kind of situation if he gets enough votes. Home run derby. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be fire, wouldn't it? But it um, so maybe, Skyler, you've convinced mine, me like, to change my ballot. Yeah, right? For real. It's never too late. Um, I think Evan pretty much nailed it. Uh, I think that you have to have Tyler Kinley in as a reliever. I don't know how you can't. Um, you're absolutely right. If it wasn't for Paul Goldschmidt, I think CJ Crone would definitely have a, have a solid chance. I'm also, man, the owner that does has got to be there. He's hitting 328 as of right now, as of Friday. Like, are you kidding me? This dude's been unbelievable. He's get, he's getting base hits in every single game he plays. He has got to get in that game. Um, those are the guys I think are the, the most likely from the Rockies. I, you're right. It's gonna be hard for Daza just because he is a right in that automatically puts him at a at a disadvantage. But I think I think that CJ Crone is a possibility to make the bench. I think Yoan Daza is a possibility to make the bench, and I think Tyler Kinley is a possibility to be in the bullpen. Those are the three that I think are most likely. You make some good points about Iglesias and Rogers. I think they'll be a little bit harder sells just because like you guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. is obviously still like very very popular. You know, there's a lot of fans of you know, like you said, like the Cardinals teams and the and the Cubs teams that'll probably vote their guys just based on fan voting alone. So, I think Evan, you have a pretty good breakdown that I agree with pretty much all your points. Turns out the uh, All Star Game is voting is kind of meaningless and it's just a popularity contest for the big market teams. Pretty much is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, it's happening in L.A. this year. You know what I mean? It's yeah. happening at Chavez Ravine. So uh, don't be surprised if we get almost like a Cubs situation from a few years back where. Most of the starters are Dodgers, not based on their stats or anything, but just based on, you know, the popularity thing, which I know makes me sound like a hater, but you know what? I am kind of a hater, so but get over it. That's how the All-Star game voting works. Or, it is. or that year that the American League team was almost entirely members of the Kansas City Royals. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. But that's the thing that I like is that there is <laughs> also the player vote and, like, that stuff. So that's the one that I like seeing more because the players themselves – don't get caught up in, oh, this is Mike Trout. His name's Mike Trout. He has to be there. Mm-hmm. No, or things like that, where instead they actually do look amongst their peers. Like, yeah, this guy's played well. He he deserves to go this year. And that type of stuff. I've always Definitely. found it weird how they pick the pitchers, because it just kind of seems like a crapshoot. <laughs> Roll a dice and grab a guy. But... Yep. I think what's nice is it seems like we're all kind of agreeing. There are some Rockies that are on the bubble, and there may be some that are like, for sure, hey, he needs, he should be the one that goes, uh, since there does need to be a representative for every team. So that's nice. Yeah, I tell you what, if Chad Cool had kept pitching like he was in May, he'd probably be starting that game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, but they would have never allowed it because he pl- pitches for the Rockies, and you can't possibly True. be a good pitcher for the Rockies. True. Anywho's, <laughs> but it, it's fun voting though. It's at least to feel like you're part of that process for the for the whole thing, the whole shebang. I know I'm lame. I do miss the old school uh, write-in ballots. I just thought I thought those were fun. Oh, where you punched out the names? Yeah, like those are just so classic. You know what I mean? And I get that this is like better because it's like more people can vote faster and all that. But I just miss that little aspect of it. 
Yeah. I was too young and stupid to actually like submit ballots, but I would always take a bunch from the stadium and then just like to read all the names. There you go. <laughs> it's it's hard it's hard to gauge it this year too because of all the wackiness with the new ball that's making it like offense dip down so bad this year. Plus mm-hmm. the injuries. Yeah. I mean, Mike Trout is injured again, and then so he had that injuries. bizarre slump where he was like, what, 0 for 27 or something? What would be nice is if MLB, when a guy gets injured, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be injured through the All-Star break or for the rest of the year, you take him off the ballot and put somebody else in, but they never adjust the ballot, <laughs> which is annoying. That would be nice if they would just kind of like – take the initiative to do that but like you said that's far too much yeah work. they just take oh these are the starting nine they must be the starting nine every single day for the rest of the year <laughs> chris bryant hasn't played in a month <laughs> like what are we doing or at the very least if an injured person does get voted in then what you could do is just after the main things are selected just like they do the last man standing thing vote for the injury replacement for that specific one totally and instead they just let the manager decide snag one of his guys to replace yep. him. Mm-hmm. And that's why Max Scherzer starts the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Not that we're bitter or anything. <sighs> Randall Gritchick should be the starting pitcher for the All-Star game. Yeah. He's Max. got a zero ERA. No one's going to have a better run average this season than him. It's, it's rough stuff. But All-Star game. Our, our bitterness aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be uh, in a month, though. So, oh, it's always fun, though. I... I wish that in different circumstances you know, we could have it at Coors Field again and not sort of like a super speedy thing that happens. But then that it Get some actual good uniforms. But, oh well. You know, it would have been great as the All-Star Game uniforms for the Rockies last year. It would have been our City Connect jerseys. Hmm. Like, that is the kind of thing that I wanted for the All-Star Game jerseys. And instead, we just got the hastily rebranded Atlanta ones. Yes, yes. (laughs) Rough stuff. Turns out MLB's not very good at planning some things. (laughs) They're not very good at a lot of things, unfortunately. Uh Uh-huh. But, well, fellas, it's been real. And I think it's about time that we close out this edition of Affected by Altitude. As we're all just getting back into the swing of things. Here's we're into the dog days of summer now of just Rockies games, good games, bad games. Who cares anymore? <laughs> it's baseball, and we'll watch it. It is baseball. But uh, go Avalanche. <laughs> Even, Even better. better. <laughs> Say it ain't so. I will not go. I will not go. Turn the lights off. Go. Carry me home. No, you're a good time. Do your thing. I'm just going to keep you on. I can't hear myself think, though. It's like Chip and Dale all over again. Well, I was going to say, you know, because the years start coming, but they just don't stop coming. When we knew we were going to talk about all-star stuff, I figured there was a solid chance we were going to get into that. So much to do, so much to see. Oh, somebody end this show, please. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? <laughs> and that's it for us. If you next by Thanks for coming. <laughs> you never shine if you don't Tyler, where can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at, at sideline underscore crowd <laughs> on the Twitters and then Sunday Rock Piles and whatnot. I actually have one this week after our good pal Mario here at Purple Row. Uh, the two of us had to double up different weeks, but now we're back on the regular schedule. So I'll be back on Sunday with my Rock Pile. Uh, Mac, where can the people find you? Uh, hit me up at Cormac Battle Pro at C O R M A C Battle Pro. Talk to me about how excited you are for Forbidden Door. Talk to me about how uh, you know the Rockies are doing. Always love to hear from y'all about all kinds of nerdy garbage. Evan, now you, bud. Well, the ice we skate is getting pretty thin. The oh water's getting warm, <laughs> so you might as well swim to my Twitter Brutal. at Evan oh, underscore Lang two seven. I would love to hear from you. <laughs> uh, and everybody, just remember, you know, all that glitters is gold, and only shooting stars break the mold. You can also find us three shooting stars 
at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. And you can find me every week on Thursday doing the Thursday Rock Pile at Purple Row. I just wrapped up my uh, month-long series on the some of the pitching gems in the Rockies farm system. Uh, most recently, we did Albuquerque Isotopes. I could even revisit this again because while I was writing these, a couple more people even emerged, like uh, Evan Shaver down in uh, High A Spokane has been really impressive his last few starts. So definitely check that out. And then I got game coverage on Sundays. Fun stuff. Lit. Fun stuff. Get out here. Yeah, again, thank you so much for joining us in our weird, wacky world of <laughs> Affected by Altitude <laughs> podcasting. Uh, but and listening to our wonderful singing and quoting of lyrics from the wise words of Smash Mouth. Uh, I said, yep, what a concept. I could use a little fuel myself and we could all use a little change. It's true. Deep. Emotional. Well, we'll see you next time. Uh, Evan, hit him with it. Farewell. Hey, now. You're an all-star. Get your game on. Nice on. Go play. Hey, now. (laughs) You're a rock star. Bye. Get your show on. Get paid.